Hello? 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 Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay. Okay, America. Okay, America, let's rethink and reimagine. This is Dr. Phil Dembo. I'm the host tonight, and I can't believe it. I haven't been a host in a while, and I'm happy to be back in the seat. Juliet's been holding on to it. Dr. B's done it a little bit. It's Sam Ashkenazi, Dr. B. Thomas, Juliet Lamar, and the one and only Dr. Phil Dembo. And today, you know, we thought we'd take a break on having a guest and go deep on a topic that we've been talking about. We are essentially probably three and a half generation differences between the four of us, right? I'm 63 and Sam is 20 and we have a little bit of everything in between, between Juliet and Dr. B. What we were talking about, we had this conversation the other day that we thought we'd bring to our audience because it's uh, it, it really is a striking phenomenon, regardless of what generation you're in. And, and, and here's what we, we tend to uh, have coined it. It's um, like parent, like child. Like, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm going to go on a little rant here for a little bit, but when I was growing up, there were certain um, people in my life and certain um, songs in my life, as I think for every generation, that were really meaningful to me. Um, I was the post-Vietnam uh, War generation and uh, being peaceful, the John Lennons and the Mahatma Gandhis and the Cat Stevens and people like that were, were really important in my life. And there was a song that was sort of my marching order between me and my dad called Father and Son. It came out in 1970 and there is a, um, a verse um, in Father and Son and here's the quote. All the times that I cried, keeping all the things I knew inside, it's hard, but it's harder to ignore it. If they were right, I'd agree, but it's them that they know, not me. Now there's a way, and I know that I have to go away. I know I have to go. When I was 18 years old, I just had this feeling that I couldn't be like them, that I wasn't going to be like my dad who I love dearly and my mom, who I love dearly and they're gone now. But I, I, I recognized as I got older that I spent so much of my energy not being like them that here I am at 63, uh, recognizing that I'm probably more like them than I ever thought was possible. And so what I like to do is, is, is open that up to all of you to think about no matter what age you are, where you stand on that, what's the value of how we were parented, the modeling that happened in front of us, the modeling that we're doing for our own children if we have children. And so I'd love to throw that out to all of you. We are not all parents on this podcast, but we are all somebody's child. And so um, given that, does that song resonate with you? What's the song that resonates with each of you as it relates to your parents? Do you have one? Oh, Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh, wow. Wind Beneath My Wings. And tell me about that. You know, first of all, we were talking about Bette Midler on our last podcast and how we are all in love. 
Okay, well, I just spoke for all of us. Um, <laughs> I know I am. And she did her rendition of or Wind Beneath My Wings. And I think she's probably, is she the original person that, do you know? I mean, I'm asking Dr. Phil because he's old, you guys. So I'm thinking that. I did not believe that she was the original, but I, did she not come out with that in the movie The Rose? Isn't that where she came out with that? You know, I don't know. I will tell you this much. I love this song because the lyrics are very powerful and they make me think of how my mother has always been very supportive. So for me, I've gone beyond modeling my mother because I feel like that that isn't sufficient enough for me. It's more important for me to become my own person. So I feel more so like my mother is the undercurrent. She's been the wind beneath my wing. She's been the one that has inspired me to, to create my own individuality. So in that, she really wanted you to be different than her and be your own person. Absolutely. Right. Where I think for me, my father really expected my brother and I to be just like him. Mm. And when you weren't, so that's that's where I was going is that with parenting, you you either are um, encouraged and embraced to be your own self or you're scripted into some picture and some role that um, where you fit into what they want you to be. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Julia? Oh, well, this is such a great subject because Phil literally wrote the book on parenting. Uh, <laughs> he has a book about thank parenting. Thank you. Thanks for the plug. Thank <laughs> it's on the Amazon. Per- you can get it anytime you want. It's called The Real Purpose of Parenting by Dr. Phil Demba, but don't worry about it. <laughs> my mom loves the book. Um, so for me, I guess the first song that popped into my head, because I think I have different songs for each of my parents, because each parent parents differently um, in my experience with parents. <laughs> but I believe that the song that probably encompasses both of them is Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. Um, makes you cry every time, right? And I think that that is a really powerful song and, and kind of shines a light on the way my childhood was, but they definitely raised me. I had such a strong sense of self from like as long as I can remember, but that was because they were like, we love you no matter what. Tell us when you mess up. We support you no matter what be your own person. And we're not going to tell you how to do that. We're going to tell you like our experiences that you can learn from if you wish to. Um, but there was no rules. And it was an interesting way of parenting some things that I don't know if I could do as a parent, just because of my personality, <laughs> personality is a little more controlling than them. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, because I always wanted to be just like my parents when I was younger. And now I don't want to be like them as much. Because as you get older, you realize they're all human. Right now, yeah, that's interesting. What about for you, Sam? What's the song? You're an artist. You're a song maker. Did you write a song about your parents? I mean, I have not yet, but it's gonna be a <laughs> song when it comes out. <laughs> but um, no, I, I'd say for me, it was it's probably the whole Rubber Soul album by the Beatles. Ah. Ah. Something we would listen to when we would go on road trips, and I would just I was obsessed with it. I would listen to it over and over again. But um, I mean, I, I can't really say it has any like significance to it in terms of like my relationship with my parents. But um, it makes me think a lot about how their role in my life has changed as I've grown up. Like I was a firstborn child, so they were trying to figure out how to raise me as much as I was trying to figure out how to just be a human being. And yeah, I think they were always very supportive about my individuality and not trying to be just like a mere image of them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it sounds like you guys had a better job than I 
kind of no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it's in the in the past thirty years, the um, research has really shown that there are certain things that are genetic, right? That it doesn't have to be uh, the parenting style that causes schizophrenia or depression or anxiety. That certain things are genetic. So as you you look at categories, you look at genetics as one, and you look at role modeling as the other. And then there is something now they're doing a lot of research on one's parents' worldview as it relates to the development of your own, Mm. right? I call it the true personal worldview. When you finally come into your own and it's not the politics you see or the religion you see, it's just how you operate on a daily basis, what resonates with you. When you think about your own parents' worldview and you think about yours, I think Julia just said it in terms of as you get older, you see them more as people than messages in your own head, mm-hmm. right? When, if at all, did their messages leave your head, that their worldview changed and you recognized your own? I am constantly canceling, canceling the messages from my past because, and I came into this wisdom, I call it wisdom. I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, I might call it something else. No, I love it. When I turned 40 years old, I said, you know what? I've been programmed to think a certain way. And there was nothing right or wrong in the programming. Yet I felt like now I get to decide what type, what I want to think, how I want to feel. Now I get to create my own. I felt grown enough to be able to create my own theories, my own practice, my own, my own. And so I would say that I'm constantly, since I turned 40, which was only a couple months ago, a few months Congratulations, ago. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Happy I'm birthday. I'm rewriting the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's huge. I mean, respond to what you just heard, because I think canceling what what we have programmed and coming to an enlightenment that we have permission to think and be our own person. How do we know when that's a reaction or it's a response? Hmm. Well, for me, like I, I just, I knew when I turned 40, it just fell on me. I had an aunt that passed away, like, you know, kind of like during the same time frame, And I just really came into that wisdom. Like life is, well, life is continuous and yet you're only here for a moment in time. And either you're going to be here living out someone else's vision, life, goal, objectives, perspectives, or either you're going to be here living out your, what you came to do and, and your goals and your vision and your perspective. How do you know that how do you know that they're even different? How do you even know which is which? I mean we yeah. hear about it on our podcast all the time, and it, it, it really is fascinating to me when people are like, you know, I just try to be authentic. And how do you know that that's actually authentic? Or if it's just a bunch of, like, rhetoric that somebody tells you you have to do, because how do you know what you know? I have a question for you, Phil. What is the difference between reaction and response? Reaction is my emotional moment to something somebody else did or said. 
something external from me, a response is a thoughtful approach of what B's saying, Dr. B, when I know that what I am representing is an authentic moment and thought within myself. So basically a reaction is external and a response is internal. A reaction is an internal emotional moment to an external um, um, agenda of somebody else. Okay. Right. So we react because somebody, um, you know, I was angry earlier today and I had no idea why I was angry, but I was watching the news last night and my emotions were a reaction to the nonsense I was watching. And I was mad about that. So right? It's almost like it's unconscious. I it like is absolutely. It. Yeah. yeah. You, you nailed it. You said that it's external versus internal. So it's, if it's internal, uh, we're talking about a response that is coming from stillness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you know, at least for me, that's how I knew. When you feel more complete in yourself by what you're representing. Which can you, change, which can change. Yeah, I think that your authenticity yeah. is not a single, like it's not an arrival point. <laughs> it's a, it's right. a, it's a constantly changing point and your authenticity, your authenticity can change. It's also being able to like hover over yourself and like analyze what you're doing without just kind of going with whatever your feelings and body tells you to do. So they call that third person logic. And Mm -hmm. it's when you're in the stands watching yourself on the field. Yeah. And my challenge to that is that that is only helpful if you can do both. Mm -hmm. But most people, when they get in the stands, remain in the stands. Mm-hmm. And what they see on the field is what was taught to them by other people. That's why we're on this topic. Perfect. Is that how do we know that what I'm watching isn't what was taught to me rather than what I am creating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question, Dr. Phil, because it's like sometimes you may not know. And so you're walking in that you're walking in, in the illusion of the past, or you're walking in how your parents taught you. And you don't realize that you're simply, you know, uh, duplicating a process. And maybe it's not until you meet people like Laganja Stranja, where you see, oh, you know what, there's a different way of doing things. And I don't have to have this particular pattern and I could shift. I can do something different. Maybe by meeting other people, it triggers something in you to realize that there's another way. And it may yeah. not be the way that you experienced growing up. Well, I think that it's also responsibility of the parents. Um, I can remember the exact moment that I had one of these realizations. Um, it was back when Bush was president. So I was a kid and my mom had said something about Bush and a negative, like a negative thing. And I had just regurgitated it to somebody when they brought up politics, right? Cause I'm a kid. I don't know anything about politics. I just heard my mom say like president Bush, blah, blah, blah. And the person I said it to was a fellow kid whose parents believed something different. And they said something else. And I was like, what in the world? What? And I went back to my mom and I was like, they said this, like, what is it? And she was like, oh, you cannot just go and repeat what I have said, because that's not your opinion. And I was like, what's an opinion? And and she said, you know, you, you don't need to worry about politics right now. You're a child, but don't just take what I say, make sure you're always asking questions. And if you want to repeat something I say, ask me why I said it. So they were constantly encouraging me to ask why, which I don't know why a parent would do that intentionally, because kids are always asking why anyway. Um, but I always take that piece of advice where it's like, okay, if I believe this, why do I believe it? And I, I try to always think of why am I thinking this way? And that's how I deal with it. 
your parents, that's amazing, Juliet, because look, think about it. Like your mother at that moment could have, could have told you, you need to think the way that I think you need to subscribe to my view and that's it. And my opinion is your opinion. And, and what she gave you was a gift, the gift mm-hmm. of choice. And yes. not does that. That is absolutely right. Because if you, if you look at that in terms of topic, right. And, how many parents do that about religion, mm-hmm. about, right, or they about sexuality, or about yeah. economics, you know, or about lifestyle, or about, about, about everything, right? You know, what's interesting is we have a, a musician and we have an actress um, on the panel, right? And so there are moments where you are just creating music that is authentic to you, your sound, your band, Sam, that isn't music that, you know, they talk about that. Who are your influencers in music, right? Mm -hmm. And there's music, which I'm sure you know where your influences come from. But that is one expression where nobody takes that away from you. That is a response. It is a, a complete authentic moment unless you're doing a a uh, cover of somebody else's music, right? It's authentic to you. Does that feel different than when you're in regular everyday, like scripting of life? Totally. I mean, it feels like you're in the zone kind of time does not take the same way that it usually does. Like it goes by a lot faster. Like you can go from like nine o'clock to 2 AM, like in the blink of an eye. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Juliet, for you, right, when you're on stage or you're in front of a camera or you're within a role of somebody else and they're, you said to us in one of our podcast episodes that you're being you within that role, right? You're not being your mom within that role and you're not mm-hmm. being what in, in some ways what even the director may want from you. Although they direct you, they aren't you. Where yeah. do you learn that? How do, how do you describe that experience? I think it's just, it's you're stripped down to simple, basic living in the moment, right? You cannot have a forethought of what's coming or a past that you haven't built within that character, specifically with acting. You know, you have a past that has, you've had to build for that particular character in your mind, but you're authentically living in that moment as that human, not as yourself. So acting, it's very easy to kind of take on that shell. Um, I think, I think that really why a lot of creatives maybe either have really great childhoods where their parents prop them up so much that they feel free to express themselves or they're escaping and they've had to literally fight to free themselves. Either way, I think with, with all arts, it's about having that freedom to just be and, whether or not you've just been given it on a platter like I was, or you've had to fight to break free from it. Is there a, um, is it easier to live by a script given to you or to create your own words? It's easier easier to work off a script. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a control freak and then you're like, yes, I I can do all of it. (laughs) Well, no, but personally, like I really like setting schedules for myself and like kind Mm -hmm. of going by a script, but then working off of it and kind of finding my own way and having that structure in the first place really helps a lot. Like kind of finding your own direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very type A. I want lists, but then I want to be able to have the freedom to deviate from the list only if I choose. (laughs) Well, what you're talking about, Phil, to me is, is it easier to, to work off a script that someone else creates. And 
I would say, yes, it is. Mm. However, is it beneficial? It's up to you to determine whether or not it's beneficial because it may not be. You get to write your own script. And I think that people don't realize that. And that could be very frightening to people, too, that they actually have the responsibility. They have the keys in their hand. Well, and I think that is the key to this whole episode today, because many, many, many people live by the script of something or somebody else, whether it's the Bible and they read a passage every day and they live by it, right? Or it is the language of somebody else, or it is Cat Stevens' words um, from a song that aren't my words that seem to resonate with me. When you do that long enough, you don't know if you're feeling or if you're thinking your f- that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And when you're thinking you're feeling, right, you need validation from other people. You need to hear the script of your mother, your father, unless, of course, you have parents who are like, no, I'm not going to tie your shoes for you. You're going to get up and go do it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I think going back to what you're saying, how does it feel? Like I remember being very frustrated as a child because my parents would always ask for my opinion and then why. And I'm like, I don't have any life. Like I wouldn't think this at the time. Thinking back, I'm like, I don't have enough life experience to have opinions and and a why. But you're asking me because you want me to critically think. But it was incredibly frustrating because they gave me no script. They wanted me to pave my own way. But as a kid, making those choices was really frustrating. It was always my choice. Me, what I want to do, what we're going to do, and like what I wanted to eat, when I wanted to go to bed. And it was, I was like begging for a script. So I wrote one myself. And now in adulthood, I don't know if it's worse because now I've written a script that I'm like making myself stick stick to. (laughs) (laughs) You trapped yourself, right? You you boxed yourself in. Uh, I did. I did. But I think it's like we need as humans, and I speak for myself, but I, I feel this is that we need a script. And if we're not given one by a parent or a coach or someone we look up to, we're going to create our own box to put ourselves into. Right. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, I want to hear from each of you one thing that stands out about your parents that you really don't want to be like, that you Mm -hmm. really work hard not to be like. We'll be back after the break, everybody. In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher-certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. Welcome back, everybody, to OK America. OK America, we're rethinking and we're reimagining around this concept of do we really want to be like our parents? 
Do we really work hard at not being like our parents, like parent, like child? And we threw out the question before we went to break. Thank you to Kavana Health for uh, sponsoring this episode. Uh, check out Kavana Health at kavanahealth.com. Um, we are we threw out the question to our panel, like, what is the one thing that stands out about your parents that you really work hard at not at trying not to be like? Sam, but we're gonna start with you. Cool. Um well, first off, one thing I'm not even gonna say which parent it is, but one okay. thing I really want to um not be like as I become an adult is especially if I want to have a family too, eventually is I want to be able to be more emotionally aware than my parents were at times. Um, Be willing to like kind of understand where people are at, kind of put myself in other people's shoes a little bit more, realize that not everything is going to go the way that I want it to, you know? And that comes into the other thing too, that I was going to talk about the, just like the ability to kind of let go and be okay with certain things happening in different ways than you expect and kind of improvising along with it. That's really, really great. Thank you for sharing that. What yeah. about you, Julia? Man, I'm already very different already. And by design, I feel. Um, but I think I think that sometimes one of my parents can have a little bit too much like dreaming without follow-up or wanting something and, and thinking about it but not have the, um, the follow-through which I don't lack at all, but that's something I think the reason I don't lack it is because of seeing it play out in a way that I didn't particularly think was useful. Um, so that would probably, like, that's myself starting and follow through. I just keep doubling down on that because of what I've seen that I disliked re- before in my life. Thank you. Yeah. What about Dr. B? Yeah, I like what you said, Julian, because you're talking about how it caused you, it, it bet lack of follow through inspired you. And that's the reason why you are so like, probably like, I got to get this done. In my own world, I would say I could relate to that. That's why I mentioned it. In my own world, I love my parents. My parents are amazing. I admire them. However, I would cancel everything. (laughs) Canceled. Canceled. I'm, I'm not interested in being, in taking on any of my parents' Um, wisdom now. Hmm. I'm interested in creating my own wisdom now. And I'm inspired by my parents and I can use that to create my own wisdom. So I take none of it. How about you, Dr. Phil? You know, for me, I think it's fascinating because I I really aligned with what Sam was saying. I I think that um, I really needed my parents to be more emotionally aware of the experience that other people were having. My brother, me, the differences between my brother and me, the differences between us. And, you know, my father being uh, European and coming to this country post-World War II, it wasn't just that he was a Holocaust survivor, but he didn't have much use for the experience of being first generation, you know, post-war, um, um, Vietnam War or somebody with with physical issues or whatever was going on. There was a script and you needed to follow the script. And I think it's it's interesting because uh, both Sam and I are Jewish and there's this sort of alignment to this. Now, 
again, we, we're not into stereotypes, but there is this sort of cultural phenomenon of that expectation of fitting into a script. And I, I you know, what's, but, but here's the catch, catch for me, right? This is the kicker. So I spent a lot of my energy not doing that, really being emotionally available for my kids. And I bet you if my adult children were on this call and I wasn't on this episode, they would say, I think I wish my dad would have been more emotionally aware and let go more often. That's my whole point. Is like, no matter how hard we try not to be like them, to cancel everything, is it even possible? Mm. I'll let you know. Because- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, that is great. But it's yeah, interesting culture because, like you're saying, mm-hmm. some things could be because of the type of culture you're raised in. Your parents they were handed a script. That's right. So That's yeah, right. So they they pass the script down. You know, people can only give what they have, and that's why it's so easy, I think, to forgive your parents because they're only working from what they have. And if they had different resources, they'd probably use them, you know? Yeah. Do you think that, that people coming up today, because you, you, I mean, we're seeing a lot of similarities and Sam, you know, you're only 20 something. And I would immediately think like today people have so much external influence that these scripts could e- more easily be canceled because we are seeing so many other options, right? Whereas before without the internet or social media, we wouldn't know any other scripts unless our parents showed them to us. Like my parents telling me, you can be whatever religion you want. And I'd be like, how many are there? Well, how many choices do I have? Like <laughs> we went through all the choices and what the different things were. And I was like three different religions. Um, <laughs> Your parents were pre- preparing you to be the president of the United States. <laughs> oh my goodness, craziness. But, but I just, I feel like now more so than ever, it might be easier to cancel that script. And are we should we cancel scripts? Is there something within these scripts that we should continue to carry through because of a reason that we're not thinking of right now? Well, for me, I think, I think it's order. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be harder to be Sam than it was to be me because there's too many options and there's too much out there. No script is a script. Mm -hmm. Chaos is, is some level of order. And we were saying earlier, we like to create our schedules so we have something to work off of. And, you know, even if we're in reaction to our parents, we are creating some other script to follow. But in today's world, when you can decide your pronoun, when you can decide all of that, when you don't even know what language to use, I I would um, um, pose that it is more difficult which I don't think we know because we can't say, Sam, is it more difficult being you than it is being me? (laughs) But um, I would say it would really be hard to have all those choices. Do you feel you have all those choices? Are you asking me? Yeah. I'm asking you. You asking me? (laughs) You You talking talking to me? me? No, I mean, I I feel like there are a lot of choices out there, but like people have their callings and that's kind of what they like just kind of move towards. And I mean, I, there are a lot of options out there and I very well could go down a different route than I'm expecting, but I will figure it out. And I don't really think I need a script to like, tell me what to do in terms of like finding my calling. 
is there a, but is there a script that tells you how to do what you're doing? That's what yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. The internet has everything. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's easy. It's at our, the script is at your fingertips. Yeah. The thing about it is you get to create it and make it specific for you. And maybe yeah. that takes trial and error. I think it, it might even be easier for me than you because I have so many more resources to work off of than you probably did when you were my age. Yeah, but I think if you have to pick between three vehicles rather than 40 vehicles, you only have three vehicles to pick from. You don't know that there are 37 other vehicles out there to point. pick from, right? So there's some something to be said, and I think that's a generational the difficulty thing. difficulty in the masses. Yeah, I think there are historical messaging that goes on throughout the generations, throughout the races, religions, experiences, socioeconomic. When you fit it all together, it comes down to the worldview that went on when you didn't have a choice to add to it. Mm -hmm. Like where my father sat at the table and what I'm comfortable doing at, you know, a birthday dinner at our house everybody leaves the same space at the table for me or when I met my brothers for my brother. And I don't recall ever telling anybody to do that. That's my whole point. It's like, it doesn't even have to be toxic. It's just fascinating that the head of the table is left for me. Right. When, you know, just because I'm the next in line for that. Does that kind of blend with what you talk about with ritual, right? And our scripts and ritual then intertwined in a certain way. And when we're talking about breaking your script, it doesn't, you don't have to if it's not detrimental. No. Mm -hmm. no. In, and, and again, to me, it's about what are you comfortable with? Mm -hmm. There was so much of my energy when I was Sam's age to not be like my parents. So when I left home, I really experienced things that they would never have experienced. Today, I'm humbled by... There's so many things that I value that they had in their worldview that I don't have to dislike just because it was their worldview. Mm -hmm. So many people out there as a therapist, and I think as educators, we know, Dr. B, that there is this sort of notion that you're supposed to rebel against some of that just because you're supposed to rebel against some of that. Mm -hmm. No, and that, again, that goes back to being probably reactive. If you're responsive, you're coming from a place of stillness. You've already thought about this, you know. And I think, like Juliet was saying, we continue to change over time. And maybe as you grow, you see certain things just don't make sense for you anymore. Even though it was tradition that you've been doing for years, all of a sudden it doesn't make sense to you anymore. And I think you get to decide that. There is no right or wrong. Like the way that I grew up and the way that my parents raised me, I mean, very sufficient, taught me a lot of different things. My mother, she created her own script. And that's why I create my own script, because my mother created her own script. And my father created his own script. So now I get to create my own script. And it's not a diss to my parents. It's actually uh, paying homage to my parents, saying, look, I'm following in your footsteps by having the confidence to create my own script. Very well said. Very, very well said. Very well said. Are you doing that, Juliet? Are you okay. creating your own script? Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think so. But I've 
And I, I, I really am curious about how it all plays together because we went back to a little bit about genetics, right? Certain things are genetic. Mm-hmm. And I can remember having like my follow through since I was six years old. Can you be changing your script even that young? Is that like possible or is that more so just like the spirit, maybe not genetic, but like the human spirit that we just all have? Well, I think, I think part of it's personality. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the freedom within your parents' worldview to allow you to do that. Yeah. I guess they allow, right? they allow me to mess up a lot. A lot. <laughs> well, or, or they valued your coming through the experience and learning on your own. Mm-hmm. versus you performing for them or you following some sort of agenda they might have, mm-hmm. right? Success, failure in families is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Whether you sit around and talk about what you learned from your math test or how many uh, questions you got right or wrong. Exactly. Right? The approach to that, that, that discussion of that wasn't, isn't ours as children. It is, it, is, it is certainly the viewpoint of the people deciding on that environment. If there was a lot of screaming in a household, if there's a television on at dinner time, mm-hmm. if you're supposed to you know, turn all that stuff off before you sit down, right? That kind of thing. Kids um, in generations who, you know, you were a gymnast, you didn't get all the way to the level of national championship uh, without going through eating dinner in the back of a car <laughs> as you went from practice to practice mm-hmm. or another family might, you know, we don't do that. We have to eat at home, which means you don't get to go be on a gymnastics team. Mm-hmm. All of those kinds of things that are really very interesting as we decide to put on a mask or not put on a mask, whether our parents are putting on a mask or not putting on a mm-hmm. mask, mm-hmm. right? So we have this decision for my mother-in-law or, or this request of her to not go to the grocery store. We'll go for her. She's 80-something years old, mask or no mask. Well, she is adamant on her own freedom, mm-hmm. right? And so you live with that. It, it, it comes back around that the freedom that Sam is enjoying today to go be his own journey is exactly the freedom, right? My mother-in-law demands to have um, at that place in her life. Yeah. So that's really interesting to me. Is that how it relates? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the role reversal now that you're that you're experiencing um, with Linda's with Linda's mom, and I'm seeing it too. Like with my with my my parents, my dad specifically, he's like he doesn't want to wear a mask because he's in rural Virginia and like doesn't need to. So I have to now parent my parents and I see it with my parents-in-law. I see it with my parents all the time. And everyone comes, if your parents live long enough and you live long, if you come to this sort of switch flip that happens and it's really interesting to see. So just funny example, my dad didn't want to wear a face mask, doesn't think it's necessary, blah, blah, blah. He's like going to wash his hands. And I'm like, okay, my dad loves dressing up and he loves having fun. I got him a Boba Fett mask. And I said, dad, this is a face covering. <laughs> And if you wear it outside in public when you're going places, it's it's better. It's even more protective. He wears it everywhere because so now for him it has to be an element of fun in it, and I know that about him. And so I've like parented the parent. <laughs> Parenting your parent. Yeah, and that's I think that's something a whole other conversation. Good, Sam. 
or no, I was, I was saying, I totally see that a lot with my mom and that the way she treats her mom, who's like going through dementia mm. right now. Yeah. And just kind of like watching, I mean, basically you guys know how that works. Like you kind of watch like a, an old person just slowly turn into a child again. Yeah. So it's right. interesting to see that role reverse. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting for your mom is she's needing to sort of heavy lift on that end. She's also needing to let go of you on this end, totally. right? Yeah. And give yeah. you that freedom when she was driving you around, you know, six years ago or something, right? And taking you because you didn't drive yet. And yeah. and and it's really, it really does speak to where we intersect in that we actually start feeling like our own parents. And I think this is a part of it Mm -hmm. is when we start having to take care of the people that took care of us. Yeah. I feel like in the way that I was raised, my parents have always given me the opportunity to teach them even as a child. So I don't feel like I'm parenting my parents ever. I feel like I might be teaching them or helping them. I don't feel like I'm parenting them. I don't feel like I'm parenting them because they brought me here. And I think in some ways, you know, it kind of like the way that I feel about it, almost like it doesn't really sound that positive to me. It almost sounds like I'm putting myself in a position over them and I'm not. Mm. And then also, you know, even being stuck in this place where you're constantly a child, at some point you have to grow up, I think, and leave the womb. I think that's right. And and yeah. I think that, but they also have to let you. <laughs> well, you got to let yourself. You'll well, always be my little baby. <laughs> <laughs> because there's roles that we play and there's nothing wrong with the roles that we play. We have to realize their roles. Right. Well, your dad was on our show, Blue Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and he was awesome. But you were very comfortable in helping him connect up very much. It was very much a reciprocal collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. You weren't really parenting him. You didn't seem frustrated with it any more than you would have been if any stranger was trying to connect up, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And, and and that's what you're talking about. That was that wasn't something where you felt you were parenting. That is something where you felt you had a skill set that you were sharing. Yes. And I think there's yeah. a big difference. And even when you're taking care of your parent, it doesn't mean you're parenting them. It means that you're taking care of someone who took care of you. No, I'm glad you brought that up. I think you're correct. I think that we're using the wrong terminology. It is potentially derogatory to say parenting a parent when really I think Dr. B you are on you're incredibly correct on that it is more of a what what did you call it again you're just caring it's a caring now see now you don't ask me what now see (laughs) so it's basically the reciprocity of love right yeah is that is that we are offering to those who offer to us we are Mm -hmm. caring for those who care for us right and maybe that's the whole point of this hour of obnoxious conversation <laughs> is that what we really are doing is that we are making it way too serious and it's just love the people who loved you give back every day to those who give to you right and and the challenge for me is to just know the difference between your feelings and your thoughts about your feelings, mm-hmm. because that's where you'll intersect into their worldview. Yeah. And I think that's where authenticity comes from. 
So Sam, what would you tell people of your generation who are leaving home for the first time, going off to be on their own and saying goodbye to the worldview as they knew it? You're basically asking like, what would I, what advice would I give to people that are leaving high school right now? Well, what I'm saying is, is that as you leave, you're not just leaving, you're also given the freedom to go experience it on your own, right? And you're leaving a worldview. You're not just leaving the daily rituals of somebody else's uh, home. You're Mm -hmm. getting to do it your way. And what would your advice be to the 20-year-old who's left home for the first time, post-school, and they're going out on their own? What's your advice? I would say try out new things, meet as many different kinds of people as you can and try as many different experiences as you can. But remember, moderation is a thing. Don't go crazy on one thing, really. Like, you know, balance it out. Find your find the balance that works for you and keep working towards being successful in your own way. That's what I would say. That's awesome. Sounds like a parent to me. Mm-hmm. What do you two think? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Juliet, how about for you? Oh, someone who's just going on their own. Man, if you're leaving home for the first time, what an amazing time. I would say cherish every moment. You are going to screw up and that is okay. That is the learning. That's the growth. Embrace your screw ups because they're not really screw ups. They're learning opportunities. It's going to be okay. Awesome. Dr. B? Come out of the womb. Come (laughs) out of the womb. (laughs) Come out. Come out. That's what I That was Dr. B. You can meet, you can reach her at Dr. B Speaks. She is um, recommending that we all become wombless and uh, remove ourselves from the womb. And I, I think we all know the metaphor of that and what she's really saying, which I think is really very, very important because I think that's, uh, that's true on many, many levels. We don't have to all agree and we all don't have to think the same And we all need to feel the freedom to do what we're going to do. Whether you're Sam Ashkenazi telling you to go in moderation and try new people, new things, or uh, Juliette Lamar, who's telling you that it really is okay. And it's going to be okay. And if you mess up, it's still going to be okay. And I think that's Dr. B's uh, message Mm -hmm. is that, you can be your own parent mm-hmm. because you've learned how to be your own parent from the parents who parented you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the key to adulthood, everybody. The key to adulthood is when you're really, really good at the things you don't want to be good at and you embrace the responsibility that if you're accountable to yourself, you're going to parent yourself through every experience. Mm-hmm. We're okay, America. You're okay, America, because you're rethinking, you're reimagining. We're going to talk to you next time. Peace out. <laughs>